0: As we continue in worship, receive this reading from Isaiah chapter 43, beginning in the first verse. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you, I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away, and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, who I formed and made. And now receive this reading from the Gospel according to Luke, the third chapter beginning in the fifteenth verse. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Receive what the spirit is saying. Thanks be to God.
1: Let us pray. Oh God, we do look to you and we trust that you are our help, that you help us make good choices and to remember all of your grace and your mercy. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, oh God, for you indeed are our rock, our hope, and our salvation. Amen. Some of you may be familiar with the phrase setting intention. The core of Christian centering prayer, which is a kind of meditative prayer practice, um, the the core of that practice is to set your intention to be fully present to God. For those of you who practice yoga, you will know that as you begin, the invitation is often to set your intention for your practice. What do you want to work on today? What do you want to hold in mind? For me, the language of the practice of intention has become so important in my life. I want to be intentional about my living, about my choosing, my priority setting, my loving. I did a wedding yesterday, which was wonderful, and was reminded in our wedding liturgy, our United Methodist Wedding Liturgy, immediately following the welcome in the service is something called the Declaration of Intention in which the persons being married are asked to affirm things that sound a lot like the traditional marriage vows. It's a part of this ceremony that often elicits questions during preparatory conversations with the couple, because it's not always clear to people, why are we doing this right at the beginning? And I just want to share the backstory for this part of the ceremony is that it replaces the old Who gives this woman part? A practice, of course, grounded in patriarchal understandings of women as property, as persons without their own agency and voice. In our current service, those standing at the altar say right up front that there is no one who is forcing them to get married and that they themselves have chosen the person that they're marrying. That's what those vows are all about. They're clearly stating their intention to freely enter into union with the person who stands beside them and to enter into the joys and sorrows of the relationship, no matter what the future holds. The parents and the families also get to participate, but in a different way than that old way. They're asked to affirm their blessing and their support. They and the whole congregation get a chance to share intention for their relationship with the couple. Whether it's in prayer or in a spiritual practice or the covenant of marriage, our intentions are what we want to try to do or to be. And the truth is, is that we never know how things will play out in an unknown future. But in key moments of our lives, we set our faces toward the vision that we seek with as much clarity as we can muster. We set our intention and then we try. Today... As Pastor Casey has already taught our children, today is known traditionally as Baptism of the Lord Sunday. And many congregations, Foundry among them, include on this day an opportunity to reflect upon and participate in a reaffirmation of our baptismal covenant. For those of us who are baptized, it was either the intention of our parents when we were infants, or our own intention as youth or adults to enter into the baptismal covenant, into a more intentional relationship, not only with God, but with the people of God and the body of Christ. And today, on this Baptism of the Lord Sunday, we stand once again at the banks of the Jordan River that Historically powerful place of crossing from the wilderness into the promised land. That flowing symbol of passage from one life into another. And we witness Jesus baptized by John. I wonder what was Jesus' intention when he wandered into those waters? Why was Jesus' baptized. Well, Luke doesn't tell us. But in Matthew's account, Jesus states his intention to fulfill all righteousness. And just a reminder, whenever we receive the word righteousness, think right relationship. Not righteousness like I'm just going to go off by myself and try to polish myself up so that I can be righteous. Righteousness in our spiritual tradition is always about relationship, loving and just relationship. So Jesus' intention was to fulfill all righteousness when he came to the River Jordan. And some people will disagree with me on this, but. I think Jesus could have avoided the River Jordan, that he could have chosen not to pass through those waters into the life for which he was created, that he could have avoided his responsibility to fulfill right relationship and instead used all his considerable mojo to live whatever life he wanted to live. But that's not what he did. As the one who shows us what perfect love is and does, Jesus humbly offers himself to John's hands in the river. In most Christian circles, we believe that Jesus came into the world at Christmas as the Christ, as the very heart of God. His baptism didn't necessarily change him. It didn't zap him into being the Christ. Rather, Jesus' baptism was and is an affirmation and confirmation of Jesus' true identity. It's a revelation, a further epiphany for us that this one is our Lord, the one who shows us how to be truly and fully human in the image of God. Jesus' intention was to live fully in his identity, to be in loving and just relationship with God and with others. And he chose, I believe, to pass through the waters of the Jordan and as he emerged, spirit descended upon him and then led him into the wilderness for 40 days and nights where Jesus wrestled with the devilish voice, prayed and fasted and prepared for his new public life and ministry. I was reading from the United Methodist Book of Worship in preparation for today and was struck afresh by these words, quote, The baptismal covenant is God's word to us, proclaiming our adoption by grace and our word to God, promising our response of faith and love. Through our baptism, we are adopted by God, brought into the Christian part of God's family, incorporated into God's own life, enfolded into God's love. And this doesn't mean that we are outside of God's love prior to our baptism, but rather that at our baptism, like Jesus, Our truest identity is affirmed and confirmed, namely that we are beloved children of God. This is God's word to us. I am your God and you are my beloved. More of God's intention is clarified in Isaiah 43 that Guy read for us. Do not fear, God says, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you walk through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you won't be burned and the flame will not consume you. For you are precious in my sight, says God, and honored, and I love you. That is God's word to us. As you pass through the waters, as you affirm and reaffirm your covenant with God, you're invited to acknowledge and to celebrate that you are a beloved child of God. You are a sibling of Jesus. You are part of the beloved clan. This truth invites a joyful response. It invites us to make our own declaration of intention for who we will try to be and what we will try to do in relationship with God, with the whole human family, and within the Christian family. But just as in our understanding of marriage, God doesn't force you to do anything. You are not coerced to respond. You have agency and voice. If, if you were baptized as an infant, You may think, well, I didn't have any choice in that. But here's the thing. If you were baptized as an infant, that was an act of affirmation of the truth of your belovedness and identity within God's family. Those who brought you for holy baptism weren't speaking for you. They affirmed their own faith and stated their intention to raise you so that you might come to know God's love. You have a choice about your response every day, after your baptism, or if you're older, before it. You can use your own mojo any way you choose. You can choose what kind of relationship you will have with God and with others. You choose your response to God. You set your own intention. As we gather on this day following the one-year anniversary of the insurrection at our nation's capital, I'm newly reminded how important it is for us to be clear both about our intention and the impact of our choices. I'm newly reminded how twisted versions of Christianity are woven into the long-standing, violent, white nationalist narrative and agenda in our country whose agents are rarely, if ever, held accountable for the harm inflicted. I'm reminded of the ways that the name of Jesus is co-opted for the purpose of division. When, in truth, Jesus' witness modeled creation of community that crossed all boundaries and tore down dividing walls between people of all ages, nations, races, orientations, gender identities. I'm reminded of the stunning perversion of Jesus' character into one who marches with gun-toting bullies and supports self-serving greed. Because scripture is clear that while Jesus clearly had power and charisma and wisdom, strategic vision, he chose not to throw his weight around and lord over others. That would be unrighteous relationship. Jesus instead chose to humble himself, to enter into the same waters of baptism that we share, to face the wilderness with its many temptations, to journey in community and in solidarity with all who are in need to welcome and to raise to leadership those whom others rejected or ignored, to insist upon both personal devotion and public social justice, to care for both souls and bodies, and to persevere even unto death for the sake of love. Jesus reveals for us the perfected image of God in human form. Jesus shows us what we are capable of because, remember, all of us, all of us, in all our various gender identities and orientations and skin colors and nationalities and religions and abilities, All of us are made in the image of God. All of us are members of God's beloved clan, family beloved. Today, I want to remind us that if we take them seriously, the ancient words of our baptismal covenant provide words of intention, powerful words of intention For us, for the living of these and all our days. The first thing we say is that we acknowledge that there's evil in the world and that we know we're part of it in some way. We know we fall short and so we repent. That comes first. And the second thing we do is to affirm the power and the freedom given by God to resist evil injustice and oppression, and to try to do what's right. And we thirdly affirm that we have believed and have come to know or are coming to know that Jesus is the one who can show us what right relationship looks like. And so we put our trust in Jesus and try to follow. God's word to us is first and foremost, love. God's word to us is forgiveness. God's word to us is power and freedom. What is your word of response to God? What will be your true intention? Your answer makes a difference. And God's grace will be with you as you try. Thanks be to God. Amen.